Are you obsessed with Los Angeles? Head over heels in love with the City of Angels? Well, this is the podcast for you. At Lifehacks LA, we hack the best in arts, eats, and activities in Los Angeles. So join us and become an LA hacker. What's up, LA hackers? This is your host, Stefan. Welcome to episode number 78 of the Life Hacks LA podcast. Okay, our guest today is Jamie Ali Murad. Now, Jamie is a talented musician, producer, and songwriter who moved to LA to pursue his career in music. He's carved out a nice little career for himself as a working musician right here in LA. And in this conversation, he shares his personal story, the opportunities and challenges of making it in music today, the impact of COVID on live music, and if you even still need to live in a large city like Los Angeles or New York to make it in music. He also shares his advice for people who are just starting out and pursuing a music career. And as always, I have a uh, hack for you. I've got a special one. Uh, you know the old saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, that's very, very true still today. And I'm going to share a little tip for you, which I think is probably the easiest way right now to uh, contact and network with people and I think it's just going to get harder and harder so you want to jump on the opportunity now while it's still available so stay tuned for that at the end of the episode and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jamie Alimarad. What's up LA Hackers? Please welcome our guest today Jamie Alimarad. How are you doing today Jamie? I'm doing all right. Thanks so much for having me. It's exciting to have you on. So we we met through Clubhouse, right? Through the LA Connect Room? That's correct. That's awesome. That's an awesome room. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that later, but people got to get on Clubhouse. You think that's going to be the next big thing? I think at least for now, it's going to be. When we can start interacting in person, I think it'll take a dip, but I don't think it's going away. Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. So part of the reason why it probably got hot is because we're in the position we're in now where we're not interacting with people as much, right? I would say so. And on top of that, since we don't have to be on camera for Clubhouse, it's that Zoom fatigue kind of goes away when you're on the app because you can be doing whatever and you don't have to be engaged all the time. So I think it's the the nice happy space for where we are in this pandemic. Yeah. Now that you bring it up, I do agree that the pandemic probably has something to do with this popularity. But on the other hand, I don't think it's totally tapped in. Like I could totally see presidential addresses being done on that thing eventually. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like what better venue could you do an audio only uh, where he's taking questions from the audience and you can kind of control the environment. But uh, I I agree that Elon Musk talk back in uh, late January or early February, I think it was late January showed what that platform could do with someone that is a, a public figure and uh, once the servers get a little bit stronger and they get out of beta, I'm sure something more official, whether it's a president or uh, a, a governor or something like that, I could see it happening there. Yeah, definitely. All right. We could geek out all day on Clubhouse. So I'm going to jump into this interview. So, Jamie, you're a singer, songwriter, an artist, a producer, and you live here, right? You live right here in Los Angeles. And so I thought we'd talk about um, you just sharing your career, what it's like to try to make it as a modern musician and, you know, specifically when it comes to living here in L.A. But before we jump into that, where are you from originally and how did you make your way to L.A.? I'm originally from a town called Harrison in New York, just outside of Manhattan. I grew up in suburbia, which was a great place to grow 
and be a kid and uh, kind of that lifestyle of what you see in the movies for those family comedies and things like that. It was a great place to grow up, but it was, it was small. Uh, New York was a stone stone's throw away. So it was always nice to go in and see a Broadway show or a concert or sporting event, things like that. But when I went off to college, I went to school at Northeastern university in Boston. And I studied music there. I started to expand a little bit more. And suddenly I was in a very international campus and a really buzzing city when I came home after graduating and I'd be in and out of New York city all the time, the scene was in a state of flux. The recording industry, the music industry was changing as far as how people were consuming music. And then more specifically for New York, these really legendary venues where I was playing quite frequently started to close. They become a trendy restaurant or a boutique shop or a hotel, things like that. And the scene for what I was doing, my kind of live music was disappearing. There's plenty of other things in New York, but for me, it was going away. Mm. At the same time, I was starting to get more of a presence in Los Angeles. I got booked out here years ago to play the Whiskey A Go-Go as my first Los Angeles venture. And I didn't think anyone was going to show up. I just thought, wow, I'm going to get to play the Whiskey A Go-Go. And at the time, I had released an EP that got some traction on an indie station in Los Angeles. And when I went to the gig, the place was sold out. And it wasn't all for me. There were other bands on the bill. But it was so nice to be in a market that I never set foot in. And there were 500 people in the room. And from that one show, I got another opportunity, which led to another opportunity, which led to another opportunity. And slowly, my traction in Los Angeles started to grow. And whatever was happening in New York started to diminish. And then after years of going back and forth and trying to do everything properly with the various projects, I made the transition and I could not be happier to be in LA. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. When you, uh, I, I mean, we all know that Los Angeles is big on live music, not, not, not right now during the pandemic, obviously, but it's interesting that uh, New York kind of scaled back on those, at least back then. But so, so you came out to LA originally for career and music career purposes. Um, what made you fall in love with the city in, in other ways, like personally? And why did you decide to stay here besides uh, with the music career? Malibu. Everything for me points to Malibu. <laughs> I, I, I've yeah. been drawn to that place since I was a little kid because of a TV show. And then as I started learning more and more about some of my favorite artists, I learned that they live in Malibu. And then I kept thinking, well, someday I'm going to be their neighbor. And that is still my goal. And when I first came out here on a day off, I was finally able to get to the PCH, which is something when you're in your early 20s, like, yeah, I want to cruise down the PCH, windows down, music blasting. I think we still want to do that at any age, actually. But the first time was when I was in my early 20s. And I just couldn't get over what I was looking at. The Pacific Ocean hits very differently from the Atlantic, especially in the Northeast. Maybe down South, it's a little bit different. But that sort of topography and with the houses and the sea breeze, it just felt like paradise. And I couldn't get enough of it. And I knew at that moment that I need to be here. This needs to happen. And uh, from there, I started branching out into other parts of the city, but I'm so drawn to the west side. I live in Westwood now, so I'm slowly getting closer and closer to the ocean and, you know, increments. We'll get there. But 
there's such a vibrancy about this city. And as I started to make friends here and I started to get closer to people that are other musicians, artists, actors, those involved in my field, it was a breath of fresh air because my friends in New York do not do anything remotely similar to what I do. And though they're some of my oldest friends, longest friends, and I love them like family, sometimes when you have to explain yourself in great detail or go over things again and again and again, because people just don't understand what your life is like, it can get exhausting. And then the people that I started to meet out here that I started to hang with, there'd be a lot of, no, man, uh, you don't say no more. I got you. And I started to feel like I found my place. Yeah. That's awesome to hear Jamie. Like I, I always say that like you, whatever your tribe is, you're going to find it in Los Angeles. The number one word you can use to describe Los Angeles, and it's tough to do. There is no one word that describes it, but I would say it's diversity. Like any idea, any culture, any art you're into, you're going to find your tribe here if you search long enough. I agree. I 100% agree. And from my experiences, people here are just so friendly. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. See, only an East Coast guy, only a guy from New York. I, I know. Say that. Yeah, <laughs> I, that I, I, I've heard that many, many times. But really, I think the people here are, are really gracious, really kind. And there are a lot of transplants, but the ones that are born and raised here, there's a, there's a certain vibe about them that if you're only going by what you see, movies, TV, other forms of media, not even close. I mean, just really wonderful people and not that stereotype at all. Yeah, that's interesting you point that out because I have noticed that people who were born in LA or have been here forever, they're usually the most accepting of other people. And then people who fit that quote unquote LA stereotype are usually people who weren't even from Los Angeles. So it's pretty interesting. But uh, let's jump into music, your main career and your main passion. Um, Can you share a little bit of background about your music, how you got started and early on in your career? I was born into a musical family. My dad was a really famous Persian singer and had a career that was across six decades, really. And from a very young age, my, my first conscious memory is listening to the soundtrack of Annie the Musical in the car. And I would sing along to it once I learned the words. And then the next cassette was Alvin and the Chipmunks sing the British invasion. And that those were my kitty songs and music. And then when I was four, uh, my dad had just got, uh, he put in a cassette of uh, a band called Go West. Uh, their, their music was in the, the Pretty Woman soundtrack. And this was the album that had those songs. And I had, I don't remember music like that before. I know there was music playing when I was a baby and a, a, a toddler and all that, but I, 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 I don't have memory of that. But that music was so happy and, and so warm. And I just really fell in love with music and wanted to sing along with that in the car. So then in elementary school, my music teacher approached my parents on back to school night about having me do piano lessons. And uh, I, I said, yes. And then I was a, a guy that was in the school band from fourth through 12th grade drum major in the marching band. I was the lead in the musicals all four years of high school. I was New York uh, all state chorus and all those sort of big things. And I, I loved it. And the deeper I got into it, the more there was to play with. I had a garage band when I was in 
seventh grade and we were together for three years, I think. We played the school dances and town events and functions. And to be able to do cover songs and then start writing your own really bad songs when you're 12 is, is a cool experience that I feel like is getting less and less. And I encourage anybody that's out there that their parents or they have siblings that are around that age, form a band. It's really fun. And you never know what could happen there. So then when I was done with grade school, I uh, got accepted into Northeastern University's music technology program. And I formed another band there. And the problem with a band, as you want to get serious, is that you have four, five, six, whatever different amount of members there are. They're all different personalities and they all have different interest levels. So the first two years, I was in a band with my friends. We played on campus. We played in each other's hometowns. We played in the city a little bit. But they were doing other things. They wanted other things out of life, doing different majors. They were doing co-ops eventually. It was tough to be able to be together. So I decided to just go at it as a solo artist and play by myself. And then when I wanted to do bigger shows, have some musicians behind me. And from that point, I, I never looked back. And it's been a roller coaster. And anything in the entertainment industry is the furthest from a guarantee. But I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And even on those really bad days, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, so many key things from your story there. I mean, just finding something you're passionate about at a young age is, is lucky and then sticking with it and doing something that you truly love because, uh, you know, if you're doing something for money and you're not doing it for the passion, then you might have the money you need to pay rent, but it, you just don't have uh, the joy that it brings in your life to be doing something you actually love. It's about finding that purpose. And for me, I ignored what I loved when I was a kid in music to a certain extent of like, I don't know if I want to do this as my life, but I really did know that the voice inside me was saying that is what I wanted, but I just kind of hit it. I, I, I tried to silence it, but um, my, my mom was really instrumental, no pun intended in making sure that I, I followed my passions and I, I thank her every day for that. By the way, I pulled up your Instagram before our interview and I saw the picture of your dad and he, your pops had some serious flair, man. Oh, that thank hair, you. That hair is amazing. That looks like yeah, well, I mean, a TV I, show I, from back then. Uh, yeah, I, I inherited the curls and uh, <laughs> he was an unbelievable singer and he passed away uh, in June and I, I miss him dearly, but he he's very much with me all the time. We were incredibly close and he was the best dad I could ask for. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And it's a blessing to have a close relationship with your father. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so I wanted to ask you about um, pursuing a music career in Los Angeles, because I think, you know, throughout the years, everyone who wants to pursue a career in music generally will uh, will move to Los Angeles or New York. But, you know, things have changed so much over the last, I don't know, 10 years in the music industry. Do you think that's still necessary to live in a city like Los Angeles to have a better chance of making it in a music career? That's a great question. And I think it is a case by case situation. And I think the most important thing to ask yourself is what is it that you want? What is it that you want out of life? What are your goals? What's the big picture there? So for me, it took me a while to make the jump to LA. But the reason I did it was for being closer to the people that I knew were going to help me, that they were going to be a positive contribution to my life and career. 
And then on the strictly personal side, I really hate winter. I mean, just hate it. (laughs) So I couldn't get out of the Northeast fast enough as soon as the calendar turned to October, really. Once the leaves fell, uh, nah, I'm done. Even when the leaves change color, I'd be like for a day or two, wow, so pretty. Okay, I'm over it. Is it summer again? No? Great. And that's the most important thing to to ask yourself. If, If you feel that there is a place for you where you will quote unquote belong. And all that matters about belonging is what you feel. You know, if you feel like that's home, then go there. But with modern technology, I don't think you necessarily need to be in one of the hubs. And if we're picking on music, you could certainly say New York, Nashville, and LA are the big cities, Miami as well for, for Latin music. But I don't think you necessarily need to be there unless you really want to be there. And if your goal is to really play live and play with some of the best around, I think there's no better place in the States anyway than Los Angeles, from my experience, because I've been to all these other places and I have not found not only the, the crop of talent, but just the community is so warm and so embracing. And like you said earlier, you will find your tribe here. And I think it is better to go at it together than it is to go at it alone. And for me, New York was very much the lone wolf approach because there isn't much work and everybody's very territorial. But that being said, if you're in rap and hip hop or the DJ scene, New York may be the place for you. So I think it's a matter of asking yourself what you want out of life and out of your work. And you need to go visit those places before making a jump. I don't suggest doing it blindly unless you have no choice. Yeah, those are great points, Jimmy. So let's keep on this, uh, you know, music advice tip here. So, you know, we talked about it. Music has changed a lot. I'd say over the past 15 years, not 10, like the past 15 years. Um, on the positive side, there used to be a lot more gatekeepers. So it was pretty hard for an unknown person to break into music without someone choosing them or making that decision. And now you have a lot more options to promote yourself using social media, et cetera. But on the negative side, there's so much more competition for attention, right? With all the social yeah. media, anyone can throw up a YouTube video. And people who might not necessarily have the best talent are getting a lot of that attention, maybe through their charisma or their, you know, using um, uh, synthesizers or whatever. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like j- just how how it's changed from back in the day, getting discovered, quote unquote, versus like uh, getting yourself discovered. I always make two comparisons with the modern music industry. One, it's like the Wild West. There are essentially no rules and it's the good, the bad, and the ugly on a daily basis. The other thing, like you said, with this overcrowded marketplace, I, I look at it a lot like a Tokyo subway where you're just jam-packed on this little tube and every so often somebody squeezes out and they become the next thing. What is really challenging, I think, in any period of, well, really the more, I guess, the modern period, but I would say even in, in the the older days too, you need a force behind you. Like the, the material is always going to be king, but if you don't have the artillery to be able to market yourself, to promote yourself, to make sure the video can stand alongside whoever is on top of the charts, 
you're going to slowly or quickly get really buried. And my advice to anyone that is starting out or is in the independent field, you may be looking at some of your peers. And if you want to talk about it as competition, then you may say, okay, well, I'm, I'm with these people and they're my competition. You're right and you're wrong. Your competition is still the people that are dominating the airwaves because the record labels, the management companies, the agents, they don't care unless you have a certain amount of streams. They don't care unless you have a certain amount of followers. I had a meeting with the head of A&R for a certain major label that I'll keep nameless that he really loved my stuff. And we had a really nice in-depth conversation face-to-face and then over email as well about what I was doing and the track that I was on. And then he said, well, my problem is you don't have 20 million streams. Hmm. And at that point, I had only self-released two albums, 16 songs in my catalog. And they were before a time where Spotify really took over. And I said, well, the point of a label would be to help someone that is largely undiscovered reach a new level. And he said, yeah, but we don't really get involved with anyone unless they're pulling in 20 million or if your followers are over a million across each individual platform or Twitter, maybe we can drop a little bit. But Instagram, you know, the closer to a million or over, the the better you are. And the last thing I said to him was or asked him was, if I have 20 million on my own, why do I need you? To which he just looked at me and I got up and left the room. And it's, it's really infuriating because I think people on, in other areas of work and business will talk about trying to get a job where it's a quote unquote entry level position, but you need 10 years of experience. Like, okay, so then where's the entry level? So now you have to do everything as if you are the big shots, if you are, that you are the big guns And you have to do it as best you can with your budget and try and find investors, try and find some sponsorships, some endorsements, anything to keep getting your name out there and produce the highest quality of work possible. Yeah, definitely. Because from the uh, label's perspective, they're like, okay, if you come in here with 5 million followers or, or whatever it is, you're basically doing their work for them. You're doing the promotion. You already have a guaranteed fan base. So like you said, I don't know why you would need them except to get to mainstream promotion, but. Yeah, they'll uh, take 80%. Yeah, exactly. But it also opens the door for um, people that might not necessarily be the most musically talented. Because, dude, I've met people in Los Angeles who just blew me away. Like I had a, I think I mentioned this on the podcast one time. I had a neighbor who asked me to go see his show and I wasn't expecting much. And, you know, because the guy was just living in an apartment or whatever, but uh, he blew me away. I mean, he's, he's just so talented. I've just come across so many talented people, but now uh, the people who are getting the shot or the people who get the followers and talent alone doesn't necessarily get the followers, you know, like, yeah, uh, like that rapper six, nine or whatever his name is. Yeah. Realized, geez, don't get me started. <laughs> well, everything he's doing is to get attention, right? Of but course it's, it's working. So he's <laughs> got millions of followers just by being outrageous, but I don't even know how talented he is because I don't listen to his music, but I'm assuming he's not the most talented rapper out there. It's not rap. Rap isn't my bag. So I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask with that stuff. But then you're getting into a whole other 
kind of moral and philosophical thing with the business, because if you look across the board of who's dominating, those people don't write their own music. They're all just part of the machine that they keep getting pumped out release after release. Some of them stick around, some of them go. So it's kind of just like the fast food industry. And they're always trying to churn them out as quickly as they can. The quality has diminished. And I think a big part of that is also that music education is being taken out of a lot of school systems and kids aren't being exposed to music theory, to instruments, to a great environment where they can sing and play because it is really, really fun. And it's just been kind of like the dumbing down of, of the, 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 the music business, which I find to be a shame. And there is plenty of talent out there and I see it in abundance in Los Angeles. And one thing that Clubhouse has really shown me, if there's anything I can take away from my business side of things, I think there's change coming in this town because the conversation is starting to shift and people both that work for the corporations and that are in the artistic field they're angry and they want to make some waves. So things could be changing, which I'm, I'm keeping my, my ear to the ground with that. Oh, well, hopefully, cause yeah, sometimes things have to go too far one way to bounce back the other, because yeah, it's nice to listen, go listen to live music and actually hear some talented singers, not just someone who's um, popular. On Lip syncing. But, but yeah. let, let's put on your manager hat for a minute. Let's keep going down this road. So okay. let's say you're advising some young kid with lots of talent and charisma who lived in like in a small town, hasn't moved to LA or New York, um, no large following yet. What would you advise them to do if they're willing to go all out for a career in the music and they actually had talent? I mean, would it be to start building up that following? Yeah, 100%. De- depending on what sort of configuration they would need to perform and what their age is, I, I think a great way to start getting some traction is to busk. And if they were in Los Angeles and they could get a, a slot, uh, a spot on the third street promenade or the pier, you have so much foot traffic in normal times of locals and tourists that you could have all your social media stuff right up there. You can make some pocket change and people will take pictures. They'll take video. They'll start doing the viral marketing for you. And then the other thing is while you're writing and recording, make sure that you can put out as much quality video as you can. And I'm a big advocate for quality over quantity. So if you're doing something like, let's say you just wanted to do in your living room, acoustic guitar and singing. If the video didn't turn out right, don't post it, just do another one. Or maybe that day your voice isn't as strong or you're not feeling it, it's okay to go a day. It's okay to go a week without posting. We're so, we're so accustomed to this instant gratification thing that I believe it leads to a lot of burnout. And for content creators, the fear of losing their audience is so strong at times that you wind up being glued to these devices and then you can't escape and you start losing yourself and things start mounting and the pressure is great. So make sure that you give yourself a break, make sure that you can start to find some balance and study, study some music theory, listen to some really great artists, musicians, songwriters from all genres, all eras of music and find what you like. Because as you start to understand 
what people are doing in their creations, you now can take those tools and apply them to your own work. And that's also something I think that's, that's missing in a lot of modern music. It's, it's very sterile, very monochromatic right now. Those are some great tips, Jamie. I, I really like your one about um, them coming out here and doing some street performing because to your point, there's this kid I always see named David Gomez. He's a Cuban guy and he plays a, a, a guitar and he's amazing. So I just did like a live and did some free promotion for him. Yeah, you know, I wasn't even see? thinking about it. I was just enjoying his music and I was like, oh man, I want to share this. And so uh, you're right. I mean, a lot of people give him free promotion. He's got all his social media up so that you can see it. It's a great idea. It's that genuine connection with people and everybody that you pass on the street has a story to tell. So if you can be providing a bit of the soundtrack and now be a part of their story, you'd be surprised how that can go from one to two to four to eight to 16 to 32. And you do that enough, suddenly your numbers start to grow. Then it's easier to get a legitimate gig in a venue. And then from there, it just grows and grows and grows. The important thing is to keep going because you will get way more no's than you get yeses. And that's just the truth. You need that thick skin. You have to believe in yourself enough. That's really, really important. And again, we expect such instant gratification nowadays, thanks to technology. But in this business, you're going to get punched and kicked and knocked down quite a bit. So make sure that you really like you, that you really like what you do, and that you know, ah, you may not like it, but they might like it. And, and that keeps you going. Most importantly, you like it. That's number one. Yeah, you definitely have to have a thick skin in the entertainment field. I have a few actor friends and musician friends, and I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know how you guys can put up with all these no's and <laughs> keep your uh, you know, confidence so high. But uh, Jamie, I wanted to jump in a different direction now. So, you know, this is something out of our control. We've all been dealing with this, and this it, and that's the pandemic. It's obviously affected musicians because we're not doing live music anymore. But um how else has, has it affected your career personally? And have there been any positive outcomes that come out of this when it comes to your music career? I was really excited for 2020 because my year kicked off uh, at NAM, my first time doing some things at that show in Anaheim. And it was great. I made so many new connections, started working with a few companies. And then in March, actually a year ago today, uh, I did my only performance in Las Vegas and it was a amazing show. And then I had two weeks before I would head to South by Southwest and I had a headlining slot. I was super pumped to get to Austin. It was going to be a great show, really nice bill. And then the world stopped and then everything just got postponed. I had a bunch of LA shows. We were in talks with some venues in the Northeast for the summer. And then they all just canceled and we got put in this situation where the world pretty much shut off. And from there, I took some time to just relax. And I said, okay, after my little one week sabbatical or two week sabbatical, I said, what, what can I do that would be positive? I, I've just lost all of this work, all of these gigs, but there's still got to be something that can go on. So I looked at my, my funds that was going to be towards touring and I now have all this extra money that was going to be going there. So I said, what should I use it for? And I was actually already in the process of doing a, a traditional FM terrestrial radio campaign. And I had a song that was charting on New Music Weekly. And I said, well, 
what if I put a little more money into that? So I was working with this guy based out of Nashville and he was doing all the radio promo and slowly but surely as I invested more into that promotion, I had two singles that went top 10 on New Music Weekly. And from there, I started getting a lot of traction in the independent and non-independent award circles. And I got accepted into the Recording Academy. Uh, some of my music was on the Grammy ballot this year. I was in seven categories, which was fantastic. And I made it all the way up to the last part until we get to, uh, to the, the actual nominations, which is very cool. And for somebody that doesn't have the big machine behind them, I just tried to plot a course for myself that I could still get some video work out there. I could come on and do some Instagram lives with some people as a special guest or do some things on my own, release a lyric video uh, and, and continue to get my music on playlists and on the radio because radio actually had a resurgence once lockdown started, which was great for me. And from there, I've gotten a lot of really cool opportunities. So now we're still in this position. It's a lot longer than we all expected it to be. So I started a songwriters podcast. And thanks to Clubhouse, I've, I've been um, adopted into some of these songwriting and music groups where I've become a, a co-moderator or a co-host on some of these really wonderful international audience music groups. And I'm, I'm doing sessions with people in England and Germany and France and Canada and throughout the States over Zoom. And it's been a tremendous experience. And I just can't wait now to bring that into real life. And we're getting closer. Yeah, I see light at the end of the tunnel. And it's awesome that you're able to just continue on and try to make the best of the situation and, you know, keep plowing forward with your career. So let's talk about that. Uh, what do you, with that light at the end of the tunnel, how do you see 2022 going? Or do you have any plans or anything coming up? Or is it too uh, soon to say at this point? My hope is that in the second half of this year, hopefully maybe the end of summer, I can get back in the studio. And what I want to do is put out some singles for the beginning of next year and slowly release them a month or two apart. And I was in on a, a town hall thing town hall style on clubhouse regarding what would be next for Los Angeles in the live music scene. And there are some interesting talks happening, some interesting places where you can do a streaming performance now. And hopefully by summer, maybe some very, very intimate, like 10 person audience, socially distant concerts. But as far as things being more what we're used to, you're looking at 2022 and everybody has different opinions and different views. And let's be real, the projections and the possibilities change by the day. So I've stopped paying attention for that stuff because I don't want to get my hopes up and I don't want to start planning for something only to have to reshuffle the deck and then say, okay, well, that's not going to work in this season or this thing's over there. So I'm just taking it more of a day-by-day -day approach. I look at it if I can accomplish something that I consider significant and significant may be really small too that day. But as long as I can do that, then I'm doing well and I'm making sure that I'm feeling good and working on new music all the time and brainstorming different ideas, talking to new photographers and things like that so that we can keep having some sort of content while we're stuck in this position. And then once the, the gates open, 
I, I can come out of there like a, a horse racing the Kentucky Derby instead of <laughs> a tortoise. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Just like build now, get to the lab, get get down to the workshop. And then once things do open up, you're going to be fully prepared to take advantage yeah. of it. I try to focus as much energy as I can in what makes me happy. Just feel good because it's very easy to not feel good right now. Yeah. And it's just going to be so exciting for you. I'm sure when you play your first full concert and I agree with you, I mean, I think concerts are probably going to be the one of the last things to come back, but yeah, um, we're definitely seeing the direction. I mean, they're already talking about um, sports games like base, like Dodger stadium. They're yep. going to do a certain capacity. I mean, I know it's an outdoor stadium, but um, concerts could do something similar you know, do an outdoor concert, especially during the summer. And, uh, you, you know, it's just all going in the right direction, but uh, I, I'm excited for you. I can't wait till you can get out there and perform in front of people again. Yeah. And, and trust, trust me for, for any of music fans out there listening and audience members, don't even be mad at the venue. If it's not happening, it all boils down to the insurance companies. They're the ones that are going to give the thumbs up or the thumbs down with this stuff. Yeah, good point. All right, Jamie. So let's get back to LA, the place you love, the place I love. Imagine it's late 2021 or 2022. You know, we were just talking, we don't know for sure. But in either way, the pandemic is completely over and you have no work that day. Can you share with us your perfect day in LA from getting up to going to bed? Where would you go and what would you do for Jamie's dream day in Los Angeles? Man, that's a good question. I think I would be in Malibu all day. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to I be, think, so you don't have to drive in and out, right? Yeah, I think I think I would get up. I hate getting up early, but if if fatigue isn't a problem and I can just be in this perfect world, I think I'd like to get up and watch sunrise and have a beach day uh, with with some friends. I prefer having some company. It's a beautiful summer day. the The water isn't ice cold. It's not too choppy. You can get some rays. We, we brought some food. You're hanging out, maybe some guitars. We can play some music, um, play some catch, things like that, where there's enough activity and enough relaxation. And uh, drive up and down the coast. Um, I think for the evening, my favorite restaurant and hangout place is Perch in downtown Los Angeles. So dinner That's there amazing. and then drinks afterwards. There's usually a live jazz band on the weekend. Um, just hanging out there. I love a place where if I'm with company, I don't have to yell to be heard. And I don't have to be like, what? What did you say? You know, yeah. because I mean, I love a good club. Don't get me wrong, but I'm talking more of just from a social aspect. I love that kind of vibe. And that place is just magical. The food's delicious. The cocktails are tremendous. And uh, I love the vibe there. And um, um, somewhere along the way, I'd probably want to get some music in there. I mean, I'm a huge baseball fan. So if I could catch a Dodger game or be at a sports bar to watch something as well, uh, I know I'm a little all over the place, but yeah, I, if, if I could, if I could be spending a good chunk of my day in Malibu and, and then hitting a really cool night spot, I know, uh, this is, this is kind of a side bar with it but it's not it's orange county but i i love disneyland and i miss disneyland so even a day in disneyland would be all right with me i'm right there with you malibu and disneyland i'll take them both you know it's funny uh disneyland just announced uh that they well today's the first day as we're talking it's march 4th as we're recording this they're doing like this taste of disneyland where you kind of oh like whoa open. yeah but dude i went on there and 
as soon as I went there, it's like an hour wait to even get into the line to pay for tickets. This is online. And so I just left my browser open all morning and it never opened up. So, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, those are some great tips. Uh, yeah. For anyone out there, man, Malibu is amazing. I can't agree with you more, Jamie. It's like being on vacation. Like, uh, it's unbelievable. A vacation in Los Angeles, Los Angeles is already incredible, but yeah. you go to Malibu and you're like, wow, I really feel like I'm on vacation now. So it's, that's, that's, that's a good tip. Uh, Malibu is a great place to spend the day. All right, Jamie. So thank you so much for coming on. It was really great talking to you and thanks for all those tips for aspiring musicians out there that need to try to make it in this modern music world. Where's the best place for people to go who want to follow you or learn more about you and your music? You can find me online. Everything is at Jamie Ali Murad, J-A-M-I-E-A-L-I-M-O-R-A-D. My Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, you name it. They're all Jamie Ali Murad, jamiealimurad.com. And uh, drop me a line, a DM. If you're on Clubhouse, Los Angeles Connect is every weekday at 10 a.m. And we're going to start branching out into some other things too. So come hang, say hello. And uh, I, I really hope uh, sooner rather than later, you can come check out a show because I can't wait to sing for you again. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Maybe we'll get an LA hacker group together and go see one oh, of the concerts amazing. in 2022 when things open back up. Thanks again, Jamie. Uh, I'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes. And it was great having you on. Thanks, buddy. Thanks so much. And before, I'd just like to say with Lifehacks LA, when I first moved here, that your, your account came up in my search. And I love the picture, the, the first one that I saw, I'm like, oh, what is this profile? And this is maybe like two weeks after I got here a few years ago. And I immediately followed. And so much of what I've discovered about this city and this area, this Southern California life has been from your Instagram. And to make the, the acquaintance with you on Clubhouse has just been this really cool experience for me. So I'd like to say thank you. And keep doing what you're doing because you're such an asset to this community. Jamie, I truly, truly appreciate that. And I love, love to hear it because that was the main mission for me starting this is I just wanted to share all the amazing things there is to do in Los Angeles and Southern California with as many people as possible. Just so, you know, we take these staycations and we really appreciate what an amazing city we live in. So thanks a lot, Jamie. I truly appreciate it. Of course. All right. Take care, my friend. You too. All right. Bye. Welcome back, guys. This is Stefan, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jamie Ali Marad. If you want to find out more about Jamie or just check out his music, you can find him at jamiealimarad.com, and all his socials are at jamiealimarad. All right, so let me get it right into my special hack. So we talked about it at the top of the episode, uh, top of our conversation, Jamie and I, and we were geeking out on Clubhouse. You've probably been hearing about it. And you might even be a little annoyed by hearing so much about it. But guys, uh, you got to jump on this. If, if you want to network and um, connect with people right now is the best opportunity to do that is on Clubhouse. And for everyone out there that's just saying, oh, well, I'll just wait until it gets more popular, and more people are on it. That's the exact opposite of what you want to do, because the reason why it's so valuable right now is because there's not as many people on it. So it's easier to reach people. So I'm uh, uh, publishing this um, in early March of 2021. I guarantee you in six months, that thing is going to be saturated. It's going to be one of the most popular social media apps out there in late 2021. So like I said at the top, um, you know, your um, networking is key. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And, you know, your network 
versus your net worth. I'm sure you've heard that before as well, but it's really true. I mean, um, so with Clubhouse, you can get on a, in a clubhouse in a room of a conversation on a topic that you're interested in and you have an opportunity to, to come on stage, quote unquote, and ask a question or um, share some knowledge. And that's the way you connect with people. Now, I can tell you that I get DMs every day. And it's hard to keep up with them, and you don't even know who's DMing you. Like, you have no reference or background of that person. But, um, you know, Jamie and I connected on Clubhouse, and I immediately, um, after hearing his voice, he heard my voice. We immediately connected, and, you know, he was a guest on the podcast. So, if he had just DM'd me and I didn't know who he was, it probably that probably wouldn't have happened. And the same has happened with me as well. I've reached out to people who um, I'm looking to... Uh, connect and network with through Clubhouse and it's by far the most effective way so far and I think like I said that that's not going to last forever because as more and more people get on it it's going to be harder to get on stage it's going to be harder to get your voice heard so you definitely want to jump on it now and I know I sound like an evangelist or something but I'm not getting paid or anything I just uh, really a strong believer in it just because I've seen what it's done for me in fact uh, we started our own clubhouse it's the LA Hackers Clubhouse just started a few days ago and it's already growing tremendously so I'd love for you to jump on there uh, <clears throat> excuse me we'll get to know each other talk and you'll see the power power of it for yourself and uh, yeah uh, get on clubhouse so if you want to find me there just go to lifehacksla.com forward slash clubhouse you'll see my profile follow me on there and then definitely join the LA Hacker Room we do it every Tuesday night at 7 a different LA topic and the cool thing is, unlike this podcast, it's interactive. You know, this podcast, I'm just talking to you. It's a one-way conversation. But with our clubhouse, you get on there, and I can hear your voice too, and we can go back and forth and have a conversation just like we're doing over the telephone. All right, guys, that's all I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you again soon. Take care.